Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I am not Pastor Matty. My name is David, and I'm honored to be on the team here at Colonial. If you need a title, uh, we could call me the worship pastor. I also have the privilege of leading our Colonial Leadership College. And today, I have the honor and privilege of bringing God's word. Pastors Matt and Jill, they did not sleep in today. They are on kingdom assignment, and they are ministering the word of the Lord and the peace and presence of Jesus at another church. And we are believing for good fruit to come of the seed that's sown. We're believing that God's going to bless them as he continually does bless them. And so let's just open in prayer. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. And I thank you for your people. So I pray a blessing over this time as we, we go to your word and, and we, we're fed by it. Pray a blessing over our pastors. We honor them today. And we know that you are working mightily in and through them. Thank you that you've set them over us to watch over our souls. We are so blessed because of them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Did you know that? It's just, it's a week and a half away, people. Um, It's very, very soon. Have you bought your turkey yet? Some of you have. Have you started to thaw your turkey yet? Or are you like a bathtub the night before kind of person? (laughs) Don't do that. It is not safe. Okay? Don't do that. Um, No, Thanksgiving is is coming. Have you sent out your invites? Do you know who's going to be around your Thanksgiving table? Have you received an invite? Do you know whose table you're going to be sitting at? Let me ask you this. Who's not going to be at your table this Thanksgiving? Whose table are you not going to be sitting at this Thanksgiving? As we prepare for this holiday season, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and then New Year's, um, it's a very compressed time for us. And there's a lot going on. And there's a lot of traveling, and there's a lot of purchasing, and there's a lot of preparing, and there's a lot of cooking, and there's a lot of wrapping. And I wonder today, if you could think about it, How many of you have modified holiday plans because of family drama? Okay, I saw a few hands, some bold, confident hands. Well, I wanna, today, I just wanna equip us with a holiday starter pack, if you will, okay? Just a little, like a hitchhiker's guide to the the holidays kind of thing, all right? Some of you got it. I was gonna call the message that, and I was like, nah, it's too niche, but they get it. Um, how many people are contending for an optimal Thanksgiving because the ideal is no longer possible as a result of family drama, friend drama, sin, offense, a lack of repentance, somebody who just is stuck in their ways and is holding on to the past? And I'm not downplaying it. There is a catastrophic nature 
of life that we all have to navigate, which is broken trust, betrayal, hurt, slander. Every one of us has dealt with it to some extent. Let me ask you another question. This is for the Christians in the room. You guys are laughing, but come on. Are we supposed to forgive? Okay, I love the confidence. Are we supposed to forgive everybody? Are we supposed to forgive every time? Love it. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he goes on after the Lord's Prayer and says, for if you forgive those who trespass against you, then your Father in heaven will forgive you. And if you don't forgive those who trespass against you, then your Father in heaven won't forgive you. So it seems settled. We're supposed to forgive everyone every time, right? Does God forgive everyone every time? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Sounds like a very forgiving father, don't you think? 20 verses later, though, John 3.36 says, all who love the Son will be saved, but those who do not obey the Son, the wrath of God remains upon him. So does God forgive every time? If God doesn't forgive every time, and we've all answered the question that we ought to, does that make us more loving than God? Are we being held to a higher standard than God holds himself? What do you do this Thanksgiving when you're confronted with the reality that Thanksgiving looks different because somebody has yet to repent. Our text today is found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Did you bring your Bibles to church today? Did you bring your phone to church today? Did you bring your eyeballs to church today? It's going to be on the wall. All right, we all got the word of God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now this is something we do at Leadership College. Because one of the things with Leadership College is, you know, we're, we're taking the Bible very seriously. So serious, okay? And the Bible says that we need to be equipped to handle the word of God correctly. As believers and as ministers of the gospel. So let's handle the word of God correctly here. So there's three observations out of this verse. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. So that first part is saying that forgiveness comes from a place, a nature, if you will, a kind of heart, a tender heart. So it comes from a place of kindness. That's the nature of the one who is forgiving. It's um, tenderhearted. If you go to the Greek, it's, it's, there's this word that's connected to it called viscera. That's where we get the word visceral from. So our forgiveness needs to be visceral. In other words, from the gut. It's just in our bones. It's, it's, our, it's just our, our heart and our will is forgiving. The second thing is forgiving one another. Okay, forgiving one another. What does that mean? Well, it means that I'm going to forgive Pastor Chris and he's going to forgive me. 
And then as we are in this relationship and friendship and ministry life together, I'm going to need to forgive him again, and he's going to need to forgive me again. And around and around and around we go. So the nature of forgiveness is not only from a tender, kind heart, but it's also active. And it's flowing. It's part of this river of life that we live in as believers, where it's a fresh flowing water of forgiveness. Another thing that this means is that nobody's above forgiveness and nobody's below forgiveness. This is for all of us. It's not like the good guys in church just need to forgive the bad guys in church. We can't be above it. Above it would be to have a prideful spirit. I'm above it all. In fact, so prideful, this identity of being better than everybody, and that I don't even do anything that would require forgiveness. We can't be below it either. We can't be down in the mud of all the offense and all the sin. That's a critical spirit. Just a critical spirit that's entangled and gossiping and constantly talking about who did what and how bad that really is. We are all involved in this cycle of forgiveness. And then the third thing says, as God in Christ forgave you. So Paul is requiring us to be imitative in our forgiveness. So we are to forgive one another as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven us. This is the key to unlock the blueprint. It's like imagine we've just received a key. We can open up the vault and we can see God's plan for how do we answer this question? How do I forgive somebody who isn't sorry. Now, forgiveness, I just want to talk about kind of the nature of forgiveness itself. This might sound a little controversial. Forgiveness is transactional. When an offense happens and for forgiveness to take place, the offender needs to repent, apologize, own it, say I'm sorry. That's what they're offering to the offended. In response to that, the offended needs to offer back forgiveness, but what are they really offering? They're offering a promise. And the promise is that they will not hold it against the offender now or ever. That's the promise that's being made. That's the transaction of forgiveness. If the offender is not repentant, then there can be no closed loop transaction of forgiveness. If you run into the gas station and you leave your car running, which I think it's crazy having moved here from the north. Like you, you, you don't just lock your car when you run into the gas station, you actually check every door. <laughs> it's crazy up there. But let's say you did, because it's St. Augustine. Nobody messes with cars here. And you come out and somebody has stolen your car and you're watching them drive away. You can't very well run down the street after them, shouting, I forgive you. <laughs> when they are joyfully in the middle of their offense. That's a really weird phone call to your insurance company. Well, what happened? Well, my car got stolen. Oh, tell me what happened. Well, I saw the guy. You saw the guy. Great. And I ran after him. Then what? I yelled, I forgive you. <laughs> Click. There's no settlement check. Right? There has to be repentance and forgiveness for this transactional um, forgiveness to happen, okay? 
But we can't offer up all these excuses either. True repentance requires truly owning it. Now, when we offer that promise of forgiveness, we have to keep our promise. If at a later date, we bring up the past offense, we've broken the promise, which in and of itself is a sin. And now there's a new sin added to this tangle that now requires more repentance and more forgiveness. As my kids get older, my daughter's 12 and my son is 10, not 10, nine, he's nine. He's nine. He's definitely nine. And I know him, he's my son, and I know everything about him. Every day is uncharted parenting territory now, especially at these ages. You parents know what I'm talking about. Just an observation for us parents. You want to know a really easy way to lose a part of your child's heart? Break your forgiveness promise. And how parents will often break this promise is they'll find themselves saying things like, you're not sorry because you keep doing it. Even worse, if you were sorry, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. There's a lot of work to regain that part of your child's heart if that's said to them. Because the one person, the two people in their life who are designed by God to most represent his fatherhood to them and be carriers and couriers of his grace and mercy and forgiveness to them is putting them in an impossible position, which is that my repentance isn't enough. With God, our repentance is all that he needs. So the best way we can represent God to our children is to be quick to forgive and permanent in our forgiveness. Now, the nature of repentance is it's the no-spin zone. We got to go into our repentance saying guilty as charged. No excuses offered. And it's easy in this world that we live in, in the complexity of life, in the complexity of our hearts, to offer up excuses and reasons for our offense. It's not hard to do it, but oftentimes we need to catch ourselves. Am I truly asking for forgiveness or am I trying to rally support for my excuses? On the other side of that, it's hard for us to extend forgiveness because the person, how do I put this? They've done it on purpose. Have you ever felt like, I, I wish I could forgive them, but I just can't because they did it on purpose? That's the only time that forgiveness is warranted. It was inexcusable what they did to me. All sin is inexcusable. But no repented sin is unforgivable. So what do we do when somebody has sinned against us? Somebody's offended us. There's, there's drama there's history, there's problems, there's patterns, there's cycles. We've seen it before, we know how this is gonna go. How do we do this? Well, there's three ways. And two of the ways we are permitted as believers. The first way we can do that, address somebody who has sinned against us is we can confront it. Very well-known passage of scripture 
in terms of confronting somebody who's in sin, who has sinned against us. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus teaches through this confronting principle. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, just between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So confronting it means going to the person. Why? How? First of all, how? how? Why are we confronting them? Back to our source text. How we're doing it is tender-hearted and it's kind for the purpose of restoration. It says if, if he listens, then you've gained a brother. So that's the purpose. The purpose of confronting is to regain a brother or a sister. Okay? If they don't listen, bring help. If they don't listen to the help, what do you do? You tell the church. Why do you tell the church? Is it to gossip? Is it to start like a bigger thing? Is it to spread the infection of the offense? No, absolutely not. Now we're dealing with somebody who is so committed to their sin and their offense that they've become a danger to the family of faith. It's very serious stuff. Now, if they don't listen to that, what does Jesus say to do? Treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. In other words, as an outsider who you know is opposed to you. So how ought we treat outsiders who we know are opposed to us as children of God? Still tenderhearted, still kind, still pursuing, ministering peace to them, still praying for them, still hoping and believing, actually believing in faith that the Holy Spirit can reach them. That's how we ought to do this. Now be careful with the confronting, okay? Be careful. Here's a caution. It's the big red button. It's the nuclear option. Consider how it all plays out when you sit down and you confront somebody in their sin. It's sobering, and it ought to be, because it's so weighty. The second option we have is we can cover it. Really? Cover it? Yeah, you can cover it. Cover up, not a cover up, a covering. And the Bible makes it so clear that this is the preferred method. I'll show you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Peter writes, above all, okay, that's pretty significant. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Sweep the sins under the carpet. You ever do that as a kid? And then you get caught? It's going to happen because that stuff isn't going anywhere. This is not that carpet. This is a magic carpet. This is a kingdom carpet. It never gets lumpy. It never gets bumpy. It never holds anything. Every sin that gets swept under this First Peter carpet completely disappears. When God takes our sin, he sweeps it under this carpet. It says God forgets our sin. Not only does he forget our sin, but he removes it from us to an incomprehensible distance away from us. 
as far as the east is from the west. Covering it is not covering it up. And this is how, this is how I, I have this played out in my life. I can think back to many, many occasions with the benefit of hindsight of times I should have been fired, I should have been taken out to the woodshed, I should have received harsh and severe punishment, I should have been removed from a team, I should have been removed from an organization, I should have been cast out. Somebody should have come down really hard on me. And in hindsight, I can realize, no, 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 this is what their covering did. Because they recognized, they had the humility to understand that they are not the Holy Spirit but they can buy time for the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And I have not arrived. I have not run my race. I am far from perfection. But in areas where I have received mature spiritual formation from the Holy Spirit, almost always I can look back and see the grace and mercy of God extended through a person who covered it. We can buy time for people to receive the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, okay? Covering is far to be preferred over confronting. And Paul, Paul kind of gives us a, a nice little look at this. Galatians chapter six, verse one. He says, if a brother sins, those who are spiritual should restore him, being mindful of themselves in a spirit of gentleness, lest they also be tempted. Meaning, you're not allowed to confront when you're angry. But when you're not angry, you're not motivated to confront. A spirit of gentleness guides our navigating the issue of forgiveness. And the third thing, it's not an option for us. Can't do it. Complain. We cannot complain about it. Everybody, like, you get that? You can't complain. And the reason why you can't complain is because believers are not allowed to complain about anything ever. <laughs> you can't complain about anything ever. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling or complaining. James chapter 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands at the door. Complaining about other people is directly connected to whether or not we're forgiven. Whether we're redeemed or we're condemned. This is my life first, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. That you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So back to the big question, how do we do this? How do we forgive somebody who isn't sorry? When the offense by its very nature of not being reconciled is ongoing, Well, we need to look back to our verse in Ephesians. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How did Christ forgive us? Well, he went to the cross and he paid the debt. He provided for our forgiveness. And then he rose again. So the cross gets us off the hook 
because the wages of sin is death. But his resurrection gets us on the hook of eternal life. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So how do I understand this level of forgiveness? Well, 2,000 years before I sinned, Christ died. 2,000 years before I was born, Christ died. 2,000 years before I was even a twinkle in my daddy's eye, Christ died. And God's part of the transaction of forgiveness was final, complete, and fully available to me. Now, before I surrendered my life and said yes to Jesus, had I experienced that forgiveness? No. But for me, it was a not yet. So can we forgive the unrepentant? Yes, in a way. Can they experience that forgiveness? Not yet. There's a big difference between saying, I can't forgive them and I have yet to forgive them. So what do we do? That's what God did. What do we do? Has anybody done all their Christmas shopping yet? Anybody? Nobody? All right. Chris and Nicole Fair always have their Christmas shopping done before Thanksgiving. Okay? Let's be like them. This is what they, this is what they do. They do all their shopping. They pack everything up. They wrap it. And then it's like these gifts are deposited in hiding spots all throughout the house in the garage. That's what we do. We take our forgiveness and we find the biggest box possible. And then we get the ugliest, gaudiest wrapping paper full of sparkles that just leave a trail and six months later they're still in your house. And we get the biggest bow and we tie up that box of forgiveness and we place it by the front door of our heart. And we watch down the road, just like the father of the prodigal watched the road. And he waited and he waited and he was waiting like a kid waits for Christmas. You know, kids, they come down and if you, like we lay out our gifts under the tree before Christmas. And they're counting the gifts every day. A few more pop up. And they just can't wait for those gifts to be opened on Christmas Day. And so we take our forgiveness and we prepare it. And so when they come, when they turn the corner, when you see them on the horizon, we don't even wait for them to get to the house. We, like the father in the story, we run to them. And we're ready for them. Would you stand? father was ready to forgive. He didn't have to get ready. He was ready. He didn't send anybody out shopping. He had everything the son needed for his restoration in the house. Ready to go. Now, how do we do this? I, I talk through what this is, what forgiveness is what the nature of our forgiveness from God is, what we can do, but how? Because you might be here today and you're going, David, that sounds great, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know the damage, and I don't, but I do know the horror. I know about it. 
I know the horror of being betrayed, of being slandered, of being lied about, of being mistreated. Every single one of us is gonna be on the receiving end of that. But you're like, I want to. Thank you for explaining it to me. But how? Well, we're a people of the Spirit of God. That's how. So earlier when we're singing, pour your spirit out, you know, Jesus, when he started his ministry, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to release the prisoners from prison and to give sight to the blind. Meaning the Spirit of God is upon me and has anointed me to forgive. And we're a people of the Spirit. So how do you do that? Despite the offense, despite the lack of repentance, the ongoing cycles in nature and tenor of the relationship, the brokenness, the damage done to your friendships and your family. How do you do this? By what power do you do this? By the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, being alive on the inside of your physical body, and the right that you have as a son and a daughter of the King of Kings, that's by what power? That's how you do it. So we sing, I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again because all I have is a hallelujah. And in this moment, I'm gonna pray for some people because a hallelujah is enough because it means we're seeking the one who can give us everything that we need. And so maybe all you have is a hallelujah to offer to the Lord, but what you can do is you can receive a forgiveness for others. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads as an act of faith that you believe that by the power of the Spirit of God, you can receive a filling, a filling of the Holy Spirit that will give you the power to forgive. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Hands going up all over this place. The Holy Spirit is ministering a miracle right now. On the other side of this act of faith, in this posture, is healing, is restoration, is forgiveness, is things being put back together. So Father, in the name of Jesus, over your children, I pray a blessing, a blessing of your ministry, of your power and of your peace. May there be a filling today an anointing to forgive, an anointing to release, an anointing to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, I'm gonna continue to receive your forgiveness and out of that overflow of forgiveness, Lord, I offer up to others forgiveness from you, through me, to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray this, amen. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.